As I said earlier, we've been in a series of of, uh, the last uh, few weeks, prayer and the Holy Spirit. Like I I had mentioned before, uh, the first two weeks I really wanted to kind of lean towards a lot of prayer and a little Holy Spirit. In the last two weeks of the series, we're going to do a little more focused on the Holy Spirit. And so that, that starts today. Uh, if you're our guest today, um, I didn't do this at announcement time, but I, I always say this, and it's important. If you're our first-time guest today, please please know that you're welcome, and we're really glad that you're here. If you're legit, legit, a first-time guest, okay, you can walk out these doors, and if you turn right, you just go maybe 20 feet, and there's a little room and a table, and we have a gift bag for you for all of our first-time guests. Now, why I say legit is because when you get the bag, it's so awesome that people want to go back and get more bags. So I'm legit. It's got chocolate in it. It's got chips in it. It's, it rocks. So you, you, uh, and you get uh, an official limited edition Stouffville Pentecostal Church bag that you can keep forever. So there you go. Yeah. So... If you're our, and if, you're, if your child is here for the first time, the child's wing, the children's wing is this way, and they will get a first-time gift as well. But uh, Pastor Lori made the children's gifts so good that we had to up our game for the adult gifts. So uh, now I think, are we about par? I think we're about par now. So, so uh, <laughs> maybe. So anyway, uh, do that, and uh, we're, we're really happy to have you. When we celebrated uh, Easter and uh, leading up into this uh, series, I had, I had said to you, and I've said a few times since, that I see three big events that happened in the New Testament, and we make a big deal about two, but not so much about the third. We make a big deal about the birth of Christ, the death and the resurrection of Christ at Christmas, obviously, and at Easter time, but the third giant event when you look, when you scan across the New Testament, is the giving of the Spirit. We, we make a big deal about Christmas, we make a big deal about Easter, and we should, by the way. I'm not saying we shouldn't. But there's a third giant event that happens on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit arrives and the, and the church and people and, and the world was changed and transformed forever. And we are making a big deal about that this year. And next Sunday is the day of Pentecost. It's 50 days after Easter. And we said, we talked about how Jesus appeared after he rose from the dead. He appeared on and off for 40 days, appearing to the disciples, appearing to multiple people. Word says he appeared to over 500 people in that 40-day window. And then just before he left, he said to his disciples, one of the last things he said in Acts chapter 1, he said, stay right here. He'd already given them the Great Commission. He'd already said, your job is to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples and baptize them. But don't go until he comes. That's what he said. So stay right here. I've shown, I've shown myself. You know that I'm real. You know that I'm alive. It's been 40 days. Now I want you to stay here. And in Acts 1, he says, for in just a few days, he will come. 
And so for about 10 days or so, they pray. You know the story. Or if you don't, come next week and we'll tell the story. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit descends and, uh, and the church is birthed. And uh, disciples who were scared, who were fearful, who had no backbone whatsoever, become men and women who could not be shaken off the gospel. They were willing to face death and did so. They were willing to be thrown in jail. They were willing to be beaten. These were the same group of people that when the soldiers came to get Jesus, they ran away, right? Peter even denies knowing who Jesus was. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. Peter gets up and preaches this anointed sermon, and everything changes. It is, is absolutely necessary. So all that to say... It's an ingredient. Did the sermon outline get in the bulletin to this week? Does everyone have one? Some? Okay. All right. So there it is. If you're our guest, we, we do an outline. And normally we have, uh, we have a lot of small groups, sermon-based small groups. So questions and, and the studies are on there this week. But this week we're focusing on our prayer. But the outline should still be there if you want to follow along. Three ingredients that we need to follow Jesus. To cook or to bake anything, you need all the ingredients. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's a big ingredient, and if you miss miss that ingredient, then the the whole thing is shot. You know, like, uh, I'm not much of of a baker, but I know that, you know, you need flour. I'm assuming you need flour. And so, you know, if you try to bake without flour, it's just not going to come out quite the same way. You know, you can, you can cook a, a steak and it'll still be edible, but how much better is it when it's marinated and it's made juicy and it's cooked real slow? Like, are you hungry yet? So, like when all the ingredients go in, right, it just makes the meal better, right? And... And so we need all the ingredients. If you leave something out, the result may still be okay. It's still edible, but it's not as good as it could be. And I'm proposing today to have you think about this. I think the church has done something similar in our relationship with Jesus. We, we have a lot right. We do a lot right. But a lot of times we leave out a main ingredient. His name is Holy Spirit. See, in prepping for this series, and I was, again, just rereading through the the, the book of Acts and just refreshing myself on all those stories again, I noticed this pattern, and it was a normal pattern for the disciples in the early church. And you see it, actually, again and again and again. They did it when somebody got saved and followed Jesus. You see three things that they emphasized, and it happens again multiple times. You see salvation, water baptism, and the filling of the Spirit, or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Those were three things that you constantly see throughout the book of Acts. So somebody gets saved, they get water baptized, and then they, they, uh, they wanted uh, them to be filled with the Spirit. And Peter says, of course, that it's a promise for you and for your children and for all who believe. That's what he said. Put up for me Acts chapter 2. This is where we're going to start today. Verse 37. It says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him, this is at the end of his sermon. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, 
what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a biblical Strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. You see, even there, the beginning of the pattern. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I believe, and I think we believe, is the key ingredient in the last command that Jesus left with the disciples. Let me show you. I mentioned it already, but look at this. Acts 1, verse 4. It says, once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. See, he'd already given them the commission to go and preach the gospel, but again, he tells them, don't start, don't go until the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He knows that they need the Holy Spirit. He knows that there's no way they're going to accomplish the great co-mission without the filling and the power of the Spirit. It cannot happen. They'll, they'll have maybe some success. They'll work three times as hard and not get as far as they should. They're missing something. And he said, wait until the missing ingredient arrives. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen? Come on, we need the Holy Spirit. If we ever needed him, we need him now. It is getting harder and harder at times. We're getting squeezed so much. Sometimes we are surrounded, it seems, by unbelief, by darkness, by we can't even talk about the Holy Spirit. You know that it's, it's, it takes a little bit of courage to get up and even talk about the Holy Spirit for me and for you because we're, we're, we think that people are going to think we're weird. And it's okay if you think I'm weird. I am weird and I fully embrace it. But we need to talk about the Holy Spirit. He is the ingredient that we need. If we ever hope to live for Jesus, if we ever hope to fulfill the calling that's on our lives personally to accomplish His kingdom work, we need the Holy Spirit. He is the ingredient. He is the juice. He is the gas. He is the one. It's, it's, he's the get up and go. You know, we need him. John the Baptist was called the forerunner of Christ. And he came just before Jesus, as a lot of you know. And he, he prepared the way for Jesus. And he said, I baptize with water, but somebody greater is coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John even knew this. He was prepping people, even getting them ready for the arrival of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Look, uh, Matthew chapter 3. This is actually, just before we read this, this is one of the rare things that's in, uh, that's in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These very words. It says this, uh, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
It seems so many believers are satisfied with salvation and water baptism. We get those two right a lot, but we miss the filling of the Spirit. We come, I, I, I don't know if, I can't take credit for it, but I can't remember who said it, but I read somewhere, somebody said, a lot of Christians, we come to Calvary for forgiveness, but we don't go to Pentecost for power. And I think he's bang on. It's, it's what happens a lot of times. We, 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 we get the first two things right. We get saved, we get water baptized, and those are obviously necessary and great things to do. But sometimes we miss that that third ingredient. The disciples in the early church, I want to show you, they considered the Holy Spirit a priority. They, they really emphasized it. They thought it was vitally important. And let me say this too. Let, now, here, here we go. Here we go. Now I'll, I'll probably poke somebody with some of this stuff, but I'm, I'm ready, all right? A lot, of people, a lot of people will say something to the effect of, well, I received the Spirit when I believed, so I'm full. But I, w- I want you to see something today, that the disciples in the early church actually considered it something apart from salvation, something in addition to. It, it, it was something that happened along with at times. But people say, I received the Spirit when I believed, so I'm filled. But the disciples saw these three things, and I'm going to prove it to you in just a second, but they saw salvation water baptism, and the filling of the Spirit as these three things that believers needed. And these, this is what they taught. This is what they believed. This is actually, this is what they did. And uh, so sometimes, again, people, the other thing people will say is, well, the filling of the Spirit was just for then and not for now. Now, I, I don't know if we think we're smarter or better but I need the Holy Spirit as much as anybody in the 21st century. Amen? He, he, he's not just for back then. He's for right now. We still need him. And, and Peter said so, Acts 2.39. I mean, isn't this pretty clear? This promise of the Spirit is to you. It's to your children. It's to those who are far away. It's to who? What's the word? All who called. All who have been called by the Lord our God. So it's for everybody saying, look, it's for you, it's for your children, it's for the Jew, the Gentile, for the rich, the poor, for the broken, the needy. It's for everybody. He is for everybody from now until the end of time. Jesus says he is coming. It's better that I go so that he will come and he will be with you forever. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will empower you. He will instruct you. And he goes on and on and on and on and on. He's here with us. We need him now as much as we ever needed him before. So here's some examples where you see these three sort of patterns, salvation, water baptism, and the filling of the Spirit. Um, Look at Acts 2.38. You begin to even see hints of it when Peter says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Salvation, right? Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You even start to see it even right there. So here's some examples. Put up for me Acts chapter 8, verse 4. And this is a a story about uh, Philip going to preach, and this is what happens. The believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah, 
Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. And a a man named Simon, who had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great, everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were what? So now we see them getting saved and accepting the message, and they're getting baptized. Move on, next verse. Right Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and the great miracles Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. You see that right there? This is what they did. So let me just say, so Philip preaches, a bunch of people believe, and and they get water baptized. So the word gets back to Jerusalem. The disciples send Peter and John to go check out what's going on in Samaria because they hear stuff's going on. And when they arrive, they say, this is awesome. This is great. You have all you need. You've believed. You've accepted the Lord, and you've been water baptized. Now just go live in peace and serve him. No, they said, wait a minute, there's a missing ingredient. He's called the Holy Spirit. And they lay their hands on the believers and they received the Holy Spirit. They believed that those three things were important. Here's another example, Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized uh, afterwards, Cornelius asked him, asked him to stay with him for several days. So here, it's a different order, right? Now these people get saved and filled with the Spirit, and they go, oh yeah, but let's get water baptized too. They wanted to do all three. It's important that you get that. It seems like a pattern. So it doesn't always have to, and, and I think in, in our lives, sometimes someone will get saved, filled with the Spirit, and then a few months later will get baptized. It doesn't have to always happen in that exact order. But they, they considered those three things core, and they wanted everybody to be saved, everybody to be water baptized, and everybody to be filled with the Spirit. See, Cornelius was this Gentile. He was a Roman officer. And the Bible describes him actually as a devout, God-fearing man who believed. He was generous to the poor, and God, God, uh, God took notice of him. And he, you see these three things at work. 
He, he gets saved. He's this God-fearing man. He's filled with the Spirit, and then he's water baptized. So it's not always the same order, like I said, but still you see all three ingredients present. Peter, by the way, he, they were still dealing with, the Jews were still freaking out a little bit about how do we deal with these Gentiles, right? They always kept them separate, and they don't eat with them. They don't really talk to them. They don't mingle with them. And so when Peter gets back, he has to explain his actions with Cornelius and these Gentiles to the believing Jews. And this is what, this is what happened in Acts 11, verse 15. He says, as I began to speak, Peter's explaining to them, uh, he, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he fell on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I to stand in God's way? When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. And they said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. They're saying, holy cow, he's even saving Gentiles. You mean you baptized Gentiles and the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles? Yes, even the nasty Gentiles, right? It happened. All three at work. One more. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. When Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior region until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several, who, what? They're already saved. They're believers. When Apollos was, yeah, that's okay. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them, these new believers. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? They said, baptism of John, right? John's baptism calls for repentance of sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. And then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, they spoke in other tongues, and they prophesied, and there was about 12 men in all. So here you see it again, is my point. Paul goes to Ephesus, he finds these, this small group of 12 believers, they're, they're sincere believers, they've, they've, uh, but they don't understand anything about the Holy Spirit. You know, when I was reading that verse this week again, it just, it just hit me how tragic it is for a believer, think about this, to say, I don't even know about the Holy Spirit. And I thought, Lord, we can't let that happen in our church. We can't let people not know about the Holy Spirit. You have to know about Him. He, he's the missing ingredient. It's not just salvation and get baptized. It's have an encounter with the living, mighty Spirit of God and let Him change you, change you, change you. Let Him ignite your life for the kingdom. He is what we need. And so here it is. These men say, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. God forgive us we're not talking about the Holy Spirit. There are so many believers, even today, a ton, who are sincere 
They are committed to Jesus. They are saved. They have been baptized. But they do not understand the need for the Spirit. They do not understand the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit that is available to them. They, they don't get it. They don't understand it. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody's telling them that this is important. Nobody's living it out, right? Like he, he's, I, I, I was thinking to myself this week, I think it was because I was eating a burger at the time. And as I was reading this and I was like, the Holy Spirit is like the secret sauce that makes this burger taste better. I don't know what is in it, but it just without this sauce, the burger wouldn't be as good. And it just made me laugh. And I was like, he's the secret sauce that makes life more enjoyable, more richer, more fuller, more challenging, but yet more great when we have him. It's like, don't leave home without him, you know? Um, uh, Put up these verses for me, John 14, 16 to 17. It says, and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. So the Holy Spirit is right here. He's never leaving us. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later he'll be in you. I'm just going to leave it. John 14, 26. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I've told you. John 16, 5 to 7. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve. They were, they were grieving because he said he was leaving because of what I've told you. But he said, listen, in fact, it's best for you that I go. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Three ingredients. So don't leave home without him. Three ingredients necessary. At salvation, we become a new person. When we're water baptized, we publicly declare that the old person we used to be is gone. And that we want to live for Christ. And then the third step is the Holy Spirit now comes to give us the power, the ability, the wisdom, and the courage to walk in the new life that we've received. You see see the three things that intermingle there, right? We're saved, we become a new person. Water baptism, we publicly declare, I am for Jesus, and I am living my life for him. And the Holy Spirit says, now you need me because I need to give you the power, the insight, the courage, the ability to, to live out this new life the way that you should. And so he, it, it, it's, it's this wonderful thing that you see played out again and again through the book of Acts. Even Paul said this in Ephesians 5. I'm using a lot of scriptures today because I just want to get them in your brain. But don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? The word there is really be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we're leaky. That's why. We get filled up and then, you know, life beats us up. We get drained, right? We need a... This is why... This is the other thing. This is the other... Let me just say this. Not in my notes. This one's for free. The other thing that people always say is this. 
Well, I, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, Pastor, uh, 1942. I'm good, right? So have you ever had a, an encounter with him since? No, but I, I did speak in tongues for 1.3 seconds, and I felt his power back like 108 years ago. Oh, so we're good. N- no, no. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. He is fresh. He is for today. He is ready for you. He is ready for you to help you today. I, uh, I noticed uh, something this week, um, and I, can you put up that picture for me? Uh, the picture of, this is a picture of the tabernacle in the Old Testament tabernacle back in Exodus and Leviticus. And I was looking at this, and I don't, I don't want to take it too far, and symbolism is all over these things, but, but I just wanted you to see this. When people were coming into the temple, they, they enter, you see, you see the entrance here, right? So they come in, and the first thing that's there, the priest comes in, and there's the altar of sacrifice, where, where uh, goats, lambs, animals uh, have, to be, have to be killed, and their blood is shed. And then the next step is this basin, where it's like a, a laver of water would be used, and the, the priest would have to wash right? And then he would enter into the holy place. And you see, uh, before you get into the holy of holies, you see that where it says the altar of incense. The altar of incense is where they would burn incense and the priest would be anointed with oil. And as I got thinking about that, I thought, look at this. You're stepping into the tabernacle. The first thing you do is blood sacrifice, salvation. The next step is water that we're washed, we declare we're clean and washed. And then we step in a little bit further and we're anointed with oil. And oil is always a symbol of what? The Holy Spirit. And I thought, wow, I'd never seen that before. I don't think that's crazy to just point that out to you. But it just blessed me and maybe that blesses you. But I thought, this is, this is, uh, th- th- this is just pretty neat. I saw blood water, and oil. I saw salvation, baptism, and the Holy Spirit, even as I was looking at that picture this week. So I just shared, I wanted to share that with you. See, too many people get the first two, but they forget about the third. And we are content to stay in the outer court, right? We're content to stay in the outer court when the deeper life is still yet to come. We need the Holy Spirit to get us deeper, to, to reveal more of God. And uh, sometimes I say to people, it's not, it's not just getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's not even really that in a way. It's really allowing the Holy Spirit to get more of you. That's what it is. And so it's, it's important. It's really important. We've gone to Calvary for forgiveness but we have to make it all the way to Pentecost for power. We can't take step one and step two and miss the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is for you. He's for your children. He's for all who have been called. Now let me just wrap up with this. He's for the Jew. He's for the Gentile. He's for the red, the yellow, the black, the white. He's for the rich, the poor. He's for the hurting, the broken. He's for the addicted and the suffering. He's for all. He baptizes us into Christ, Corinthians says. He is the gift giver. He leads us 
into all truth. He teaches us. He intercedes for us. He purifies us. He teaches us how to pray. He changes us into the image of Christ. He is our helper. He is our renewer. He anoints us for ministry. He leads us. He convicts us. He washes us. He frees us. He seals us. He lives within us. He speaks to us and through us. He is our supplier. He is our sustainer. He is our friend. He is our guide. He is our joy giver. He is our comforter in times of need. He fills our hearts with love. He is the one and only one who can come and soften hard hearts and bring transformation. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. We need him today. We've got to get all the way into the anointing and the blessing and the filling of the Holy Spirit. I was reading this week about D.L. Moody. It's an old story that I've read before, but it just uh, it made me smile, and I want to share it with you. D.L. Moody was a famous pastor in Chicago, but before, uh, before he was used greatly of God, he was just a plain, dry, struggling small church pastor. He had a church in downtown Chicago when he said his church was dull, his church wasn't great, it was a dry place. He said, my sermons were dry, just nothing, nothing much was happening. It wasn't like the place to be. And he said, one day, two older ladies came up to him after church and said, Pastor, we're praying that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said, well, thanks a lot. I appreciate your prayers, but you know, I'm already saved. I already have all the spirit that I need. And they were very gracious and said, oh, it's okay, Pastor. We're just going to keep praying that you receive the Holy Spirit. And so this would happen again and again and again, multiple times. They'd just pass him in the lobby, say, Pastor, just praying that you'd receive the Holy Spirit. And he'd brush him off. But what happened was, make a long story short, is it happened so many times that he decided that he needed to begin to study this subject, begin to pray about it, begin to look into the book of Acts and read through the epistles and look at the gifts. And he he just redid everything. And he said it just made him study the subject of the Holy Spirit more because these two older ladies were praying for him. And he said one day he fell down onto his knees and he said, God, if if there's a filling of the Spirit that I need, I want, I want to be filled. And this is what he said. His own words were, so I get it wrong. I wrote it down. He said, waves of liquid love were poured over me. This is how he described it. Waves of liquid love were poured over me. And he said, the next Sunday I got up to preach and everything was different. Everything changed. He said, the place was alive. The music sounded better. People were jumping. There was joy in the house. He said, I gave a message. People came forward, got saved. Things started to happen. Miracles started to happen. The power of the Holy Spirit continued to grow in his ministry and in his church. In fact, he went on to tell the story of 
he would walk through a factory. He would go to visit people and just walk through the floor of a factory in downtown Chicago. And as he walked through the factory, men and women, factory workers, would fall to their knees and begin to cry out to God because D.L. Moody walked across the floor. This is the difference that the Holy Spirit makes. We have to have him. See, the disciples were afraid. They were afraid. Jesus gets taken to the cross. They hide. Peter denies the whole story. But after the Holy Spirit arrives, they were totally, radically changed. They had courage. They had power. Nothing could stop them. In fact, it was said about Paul and Silas, I think it's in Acts 17, where the leaders say, these men are turning the world upside down. The power of the Spirit, right? We talked two weeks ago about Acts chapter 3 when Peter and John healed a man who had been lame for 40 years. And they get arrested, they get threatened, they get, they, they get commanded not to teach in the name of Jesus anymore. And they said, listen, we can't help but say and do the things that we know is true. We will obey God rather than men. This is a far cry from the guy who says, I don't even know who Jesus is. Right? How did he grow a backbone overnight? Holy Spirit. Right? Holy Spirit. He says, we're going to obey God rather than men. And then in Acts chapter 4, they get released. Remember, we talked about that. They, they, they get together with the believers in Acts chapter 4, right near the end of Acts chapter 4. It says, they pray and they said, Lord, give us, we, we want to pray for courage. We want to pray for anointing. We want to pray for signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit to accompany us so that the name of Jesus would be glorified. Acts chapter 4 says, the place they were at, remember? shook. And they went out and began to do, it was like, it was like turbo, man. They walked out and Peter and John and the rest of them, Philip goes, everybody's scattered all over the place. Signs and wonders begin to happen. People getting saved, people getting delivered, demons getting cast out, the devil getting defeated, every corner of the kingdom where they went. It was a powerhouse time. They remember the place shakes. They go into Acts chapter 5. It says people were being healed. Lame people were getting up and walking. Demons were being cast out. It says so many great things were happening and the crowds were pressing in on them so much that they said they were bringing out sick people, lame people, and laying them on the streets so even the shadow of Peter could cross over them. God was doing amazing things. It wasn't just a few days prior that Peter was denying he even knew Jesus. This is Holy Spirit power. That he has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. It is him. We need him. We desperately need him, right? Why would we want to live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit? Just yesterday, we were having to chop down this dead tree at our house. And our chainsaw is a bit funky. 
But it reminded me of a story of this guy. I didn't tell the boys because they would just think it's corny, but I'm going to tell you now. Remind me of this story of this, this guy that I, I, I read about. He went into this, uh, this rental place and he buys this chainsaw. And the guy says, this is the best chainsaw money can buy. And he says, this will zip up your logs and your trees like nothing. So he buys this chainsaw, he comes back, works all day at his house, doesn't get much done, takes the thing back to the store, and he says, listen, this thing's brutal. Like, I've worked all day. I haven't hardly cut a thing. The guy says, well, let me check it out. And he pulls it, and the guy jumps back. He's, he's, he, he was trying to cut logs with his chainsaw without turning the chainsaw on. Imagine? That is a long day, my friend, yeah. But anyway, it's just a, it's just a silly story. But, but the point is, is this is what we do. This is how we live. We're trying to accomplish supernatural things. Do you understand? We have a message of eternity that transforms and changes people's lives. It is a work of the Spirit that draw people to himself. Ephesians, uh, Corinthians 12 says that it is the Holy Spirit who draws us, who brings us in, who baptizes us into Jesus. He's, he has to be involved. He, he, he is the one. He's the only one that can break down walls. He's the only one that can soften hard hearts. He's the only one that can really, truly change people and draw people to Jesus. He has to be there. And so we're going around giving people our perfect theology and our wonderfully executed plans and programs and three points and all this nonsense, and we do it without the power of the Spirit, and we work really, really hard at doing it. Oh, but we're faithful, God, but you're not very fruitful. I I don't want to just be faithful, just saying. I really want to be fruitful. I don't want to work hard and see nothing. I want to work hard. I'm going to do my part. But when I put my hand into the hand of the Holy Spirit, everything changes. Do you understand? Everything changes. And this is where we're at today. We work so hard. We, get peop- we, we want people saved. We want people baptized in water. We have a lovely tank back here. But this, this is two steps out of three. We can't skip Holy Spirit. He must be in our lives. We must have His power. We must have His anointing. We must have His leading. We cannot stop at salvation and water baptism. The early church didn't. And we must not either. It's 21st century and we need the Holy Spirit as much as we ever did before. There is a third ingredient, my friends. There is a third ingredient. And we desperately need it. 